So all of us were babies at one point in time, right? Remember that? Probably not, right? We don't remember that. But uh, when you're a baby and you're just born, you're, you're really just a brick. You ever thought about that? You're a brick because the doctors and nurses, they wrap you in this real tight blanket and, and you're just, you're just kind of there. And so you can put yourself, or you can actually, but your parents and whoever else, they'll put you on a bed or put you on a sofa, put you on the floor. Maybe, maybe you got to hold the door open. You're like, I don't have a brick. Put the kid there and you do what you need to do and you run back and get the kid. Not that I've ever done that before, but maybe you've done that before. But um, you're just a brick, right? You, you really don't do anything. You don't move. And then there comes the point where you start to learn to roll. And so you roll a little bit. And then next comes the sort of the shuffle, but it, it's like your GPS is off. You shuffle backwards, right? That's like the first steps. And then you're like, oh, GPS, I got it fixed. We're ready to go. And so you start shuffling forward. And then you crawl. And then there's moments where you start to pull yourself up on a sofa or on a table. And you make your way around a room by holding on to things. And then finally, there's that moment you're holding on one day. You're like, it's got to be more than life. <laughs> I mean, this is getting kind of old. I got to do something else. And so you let go. And you're standing there, you're a little wobbly. And of course, everybody's there watching you and everybody's got their camera phones on and they're, they're recording this. And you got this big old smile and you take that first step and you fall. And that's not the moment where you sit there and think, hey, I'm done. I can't do it. Can't walk. I'm done. I'm just going to crawl the rest of my life. We don't do that, do we? Many times we'll fall. We'll pull ourselves back up. We'll step off. We'll let go. Take that step again and we fall. We get back up, take that step again, and finally we get to this place where we take that first step and we take that second step. It's funny in life, if you think about it, life is all about first steps, right? Not, not just learning to walk, but learning to drive or maybe going to school for the very first time. Your first kiss when you got married, uh, the, the first job that you had, that first paycheck, all of these things are all about first steps. But here's what we know. First steps lead us to walking. And first steps lead us to the places that we're looking to go to or where God is leading us. In this series that we're in right now called The Journey, we are talking about uh, the steps that we take in life. And, and one of the things that we've been saying is at the beginning of the year, we talk about goals a lot. We talk about resolutions. And maybe you've put those in place for this year, for 2019. And so there's a destination that you and I are trying to get to. But, but what we've said is it's not really about getting to the destination. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And it's on the journey that we learn. It's on the journey that we grow. It's on the journey that we're changed. It's on the journey that we're transformed. And it's really about the journey more than the destination. Now, we, we've said that this series is about two aspects here. It's about you and it's about me and the individual journeys we find ourselves on. But we're also talking about us as a church, that we as a church are on a journey together too. And so there's a destination that you're trying to get to or I'm trying to get to, we're trying to get to, but it's all about the journey that we're on to get there. That's where we are changed and transformed. It's where we learn and we grow. In our series, we're looking at the story of a guy named Joshua and over the past few weeks, we've been looking at different aspects of, of the story of Joshua and, and the Israelites. And we said, God has come to the Israelites generations before and said, hey, the promised land is yours. But there's a journey you got to go on. And now we have the Israelites. They're looking over in the promised land. They think it's theirs. And God's like, hey, there it is. But there's still a journey that you've got to take. And so the first week we talked about Joshua and the Israelites. And we said, God came to Joshua and told Joshua, the promised land is there. But here's what I need you to do. Be strong and courageous. 
Put your faith in me, follow me, and I'll lead you to that destination. I'm not gonna leave you, I won't forsake you, I'll get you to the promised land. Last week, we talked about fear versus faith, that many times in our journeys, our journey is about fear, or is it about faith? And so we talked about this, this different aspect as we look at the story of Rahab and the spies there in Jericho. Now this week, we're going to talk about faith a little bit more. Because faith is tr- so uh, truly important when it comes to the journey that you and I find ourselves on. And so I want to expand on, on faith by, by talking about those first steps that we have to take. But as we begin, the question is, what is faith? What is faith? I mean, think about this for a moment. We live by faith every single day. Like everything we do is related to faith. You set your alarm clock the night before, you have faith that it's going to go off the next morning, right? When you get in your car, you have faith that's going to start up. And when you get in your car and it actually starts up and you take off, you have faith that it's going to get you from where you started to where you're trying to get to. You have faith that all the other drivers around you are going to follow for the most part, the rules and laws that are laid forth in the state of Virginia and the nationally to, to make sure that they're following the laws too. You, you have faith in them. If you get on an airplane tomorrow morning or some of you, if you're flying an airplane, you, you, have, faith that, you have faith that the plane's gonna work. You have faith in, in the pilot. You have the faith in the people that are there with you. If you're having surgery, you have faith in the surgeons. I mean, we have faith. We, we live by faith. When you go out to eat, have you ever thought about this? That's the most faith you ever have to have. <laughs> you don't know what's behind those doors. You don't know what's going on. But you have faith and you eat it and you hope you go home and you're good and it fills you up and it was tasty and you don't get sick. I mean, we live by faith every single day. And yet, it's funny to me because so many people struggle when it comes to faith in Christ. We live by faith all the time. It's like, hey, to follow Christ and know Christ, it takes faith too, but, but that's a different faith for us. But this isn't something new to us. This is something that's been around for generations. In the New Testament, there's a book called Hebrews. It's actually, um, it's actually more of a sermon. We don't quite know who the writer was. Many people say it was Paul. A lot of people, scholars say it wasn't Paul, it was someone else. We're not real sure. Not really important, I, I don't think, because it's the words that are in there. They're so powerful. But this book was written between 64 and 68 AD. Um, it was written to a group of people, Jewish Christians. Uh, these were people who had been Jewish or were Jewish, and they had accepted that Jesus was the Messiah, and so they were following Jesus. And so they were, they were called Jewish Christians because they still did a lot of the Jewish traditions, but Jesus was their, their focus. And, and they're struggling. They're struggling in their faith. And the reason's pretty simple. At that same point in time, this is towards the end of Nero's reign over the Roman Empire, if you know much about Nero, he didn't start out too terribly bad, but he became a horrible, horrible emperor, especially if you were not Roman. And so he persecuted the Christians. He went after the Christians. And so here you have this group of Jewish Christians who are following Christ, and they have this faith in, in God. They, they believe who Jesus is, who he said he was, and yet they're being persecuted. Their families are being persecuted, friends, people they know, even themselves. And so they're at this point, they're kind of struggling in their faith. Now, part of the reason they're struggling in their faith is because Jesus said he was coming back. Please understand that there in the New Testament, after Jesus was, was gone and gone back into heaven, uh, a lot of people thought Jesus was coming back that day. And so you would wake up in the morning and your thought was, Jesus is coming back today. This is the day. This is going to happen. He said he's coming back soon. And you go to bed and Jesus hadn't come back. You'd wake up the next morning saying, thinking the exact same thing. Today's the day. It's not like us who kind of think maybe it'll be today, but more than likely it's going to be years, maybe decades down the road, maybe centuries down the road. 
For them, it was every day. And so they're at this point where they're really struggling in their faith because it's not happening. They're still getting persecuted. This writer writes this letter to them, writes this sermon and says, hey, here's the deal. Keep the faith. Don't lose your faith. And in fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we read these words. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, this writer is not writing about Christian faith right here. He's just talking about faith in general. I mean, if you read those words, it, it, it describes what faith is all about. But then the, the writer is really saying this foundation is that, hey, be confident that Jesus is real, that Jesus is the Messiah. But the other piece of that, the evidence you need, it's really this inner conviction. It's that Holy Spirit inside of you that is saying, Jesus is real. Be confident. This is going to happen. Jesus will be coming back. And then this Hebrew writer begins to describe people of faith that would have been very common to this Jewish Christian group of people. It was their history. It was their ancestry. And so it begins to describe all these people from the Old Testament. And it said, hey, look at their faith. Look, look what they did. Look what they experienced. They, 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 haven't, they haven't experienced what you're hoping for, too. But they still had faith. They still lived it out. And so it begins to describe that faith. And what we find in there is a couple of stories. We see Rahab's story is listed in Hebrews 11. The fall of Jericho, which we'll talk about next week, was listed in Hebrews 11. So this really goes back to Joshua. That Joshua was leading by faith. And here's what we know about faith. Faith is more than something we learn. Faith is more than something we know. Faith is all about action. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua 3 is where we're going to spend our time today. If you don't have the Bible, the Bible's in front of you. We'll put it up here on the screens. You can follow along on your Journey Church app. Take notes on your program today. Joshua chapter 3, starting with verse 1. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. We kind of talked about this before, that um, many of us in here, we, we plan our travel. And many of us in here, when we travel somewhere, it's a place that we've been over and over again. Maybe it's home. And so you know the route you're going to take. You know the restaurants you're going to stop at. You know the gas station you're going to eat gas at. You've got kids. You know the places you're going to stop to go potty. I mean, we know these things, and it almost becomes natural to us. We're driving. You ever done this? You're driving like an hour and a half later. You're like, where'd all that time go? Because I don't remember anything that just went on. But you're at that destination. You're at that place. So, so we, we know where we're going. But have you ever had those trips where you have no clue where you're going? Like it's brand new to you. You're going to a new destination, and you got to kind of plan that, right? you got to think about where we're going to go, and what's the route, and how we're going to get there, and where we're going to stop. It's kind of these, these moments that he talks about here, these never-been-this-way-before moments. And in our life, you and I, we have those moments, I think, all the time. There are these moments where we've never been this way before, that new relationship a new kid, that new job. Um, it could be your, your marriage. These things that we've never experienced before in life keep coming up all throughout our life, but that's the norm of life itself. And they're new, they're adventurous, they're scary, 
And at the same time, they can be absolutely exciting and amazing. This is one of the things that I've talked to our staff and the leaders here at The Journey about. As a church, we're in those we've never been this way before moments. Um, thankfully, it's really cold outside, and so the parking area is nice and hard today and not slushy and full of water. I heard that over there, that amen. Um, <laughs> These are, these are things we've never experienced as a church. The growth that's happening here, uh, the amount of people that keep coming in, the amount of visitors that we have here at The Journey on every year, uh, it's just it's incredible. And, and let me just say, this is not something we have done as a staff or me as a leader um, here at The Journey. This is just God doing stuff because our marketing budget was like $150 for that sign out there two years ago. That was it. But you keep showing up. And uh, you keep inviting your friends to come be a part of this. And a lot of you have been on our website, and you still come back even after being on our website. We appreciate that. <laughs> needs a little love. We're going to work on that this year. But it's just crazy to me. We've got more leaders in place than this church has ever had. We, we've got more people connected in groups than, than we've ever had here at The Journey. We know parking's a challenge and space is a challenge, but it's just it's amazing. We've never been here before, ever, as a church. Here's the cool part. We did our survey. We found out that 55% of the people in this church have been here three years or less. 55%. We've never been this way before. So what does that mean for us as a church? It means there's some bumps in the road, right? It means there's some things that we're not quite sure of and we're excited about and we're scared of, but we're excited. And, and in the end, we know it's all about God. And God is leading us and God is in the middle of it. In fact, God's taking care of all this. This is not us at all. These are those never been this way before moments. And I don't know about you, but those moments are moments that we don't see very often in a church. And we do see them quite a bit in our lives. But I think like Joshua, here's what's important. Whether it's a personal journey or our journey together, God has to lead us. And that's what Joshua's doing here. He's saying, hey, God is leading us. We've never been this way, but God's leading us to this destination and we need to follow God. And he says this in verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua says it's time to prepare. There's something going on. God's called us to this place. The promised land is over there. We've got to go. And so we've got to consecrate our, ourselves. Now for them, consecration, really these rituals they had to go through. And so there's cleansing that had to happen and bathing that had to take place and preparing your goods and, and everything you needed for this journey. And, and so there's really this, this, this big process for them so that they could be prepared for what God was going to do. This was all about them focusing on God and saying, all right, we know we got to go, God. Now we're going to focus on you as you lead us forward. One of the things that our staff and our leaders have talked about here at The Journey is uh, the, the need for us to grow spiritually as a church. I mean, we can, we can quantify attendance and offering and people in groups and group leaders. But what's really hard is to find out, are we growing as individuals spiritually? What we're hoping to have finished by next week, things have been a little crazy, but um, by next Sunday, as we finish this series, we're hoping to have our Journey devotional together where you and, and I can on the same day read the exact same scripture and we can think about that and we can pray about that and see where God leads us as we do this together as a community and so we're planning on having those next Sunday and giving those out for free uh, because we I wonder what God would do if every single one of us in this place we were consecrated toward God and we were focused on God what would God do with that what would God do with you as an individual with me as an individual with our families with this church with this community 
So I'm excited to see where that leads us. But it's so important, whether it's communal or personal, that as we think about those destinations that we're heading toward, where God is leading us, that we're consecrating ourselves and focusing on who God is. Verse 6, Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I am with Moses, or I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. It's time for Israel, right? This is where their journey is, is beginning to go into the promised land. Now, they got to go across this river, and right beyond them is Jericho. Again, we'll talk about that next week. Um, but God says, we're starting. But this is what I, I need you to do. And, and as I look at this right here, if I look at verses 6 through 8, faith means actions. Again, it's not necessarily knowledge. It's not something we learn. It's, it's something that we, we do. And so he says, tell the priest, take the ark, go to the water's edge. Amazing things are going to take place. Verse 9, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Joshua said, hey, everybody, listen to me. God's leading us. God's leading us. Now here is our purpose. Here's what's going to take place. Here's what's going to happen. And God is leading us forward. And God's going to do something amazing. However, there was a big problem. Verse 15. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Uh, the Jordan River, the southern end, connects uh, the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. And it's actually in a, in a valley there. And on a normal day, it's about 100 feet wide, 3 to 10 feet deep. So if it's a drought season, you can walk across it. But this is flood season, so the rains have come, okay? The rains have come, and it's trickling down from the mountains. It's probably pouring down from the mountains and the hills, and it's gathering there in that river basin. I, I don't know if you've ever been around a, a small creek or in the south, come a creek, um, you know, a small creek or a river, and it started to rain, and you watched. It doesn't take a whole lot, does it? And all of a sudden, you've got this flood that's happening. I mean, it would be huge. This river would go from about 100 feet across to about a half a mile wide. This is what they're looking at. They're not looking at this little creek they had across or this little tiny river. There's this huge river that's flowing and, and more than likely the water is flowing very rapidly in front of them. And this is what they're supposed to cross. Now, if you're the Israelites and Joshua's leading you, and he says, hey, we're, we're gonna cross that river. You're thinking this is the end. <laughs> what is it, what's happening? What is happening here? There's no way that we can cross this river. This has got to be the end. But, of course, God's in the midst of this. Verse 15. Yes, as soon, yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Reba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. Yeah, these priests, and their job was to really protect and take care of this Ark of the Covenant. Uh, the Ark itself was, um, it was made out of wood, so it was really heavy, but not only wood, it was, it was overlaid in, in gold. 
And so you had this team and, and they just protected that. They, they, they made sure they didn't drop it or bump it or, or dump it or, or anything like that. I mean, that was their role. Now, they've been told, we need you to take that ark and go towards that river and to step into it. And I'm wondering if the, the guys up front are like walking toward it and they're looking at each other like, are we really doing this? Like, can we unionize before we do this? Because we might need to have a strike and talk about this because this, I don't think this is going to happen. I, I wonder if there were those moments, right, where they're struggling with their faith because they got a pretty big job, job to do. And, and yet, what do they do? They step into the water. And the water stops flowing. A huge step of faith. Verse 16. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Promised land, cross the river. Israelites see it. I'm guessing they're thinking, let's just wait until this, this flood stage ends. But God's like, no, now's the time to go. And they see the, the, the ark, they see the priest go into the water, the water stops flowing. I'm wondering if there was a faith explosion in Israel at that moment. I mean, they just experienced this, another incredible miracle. Now, remember, this group of people who are crossing the Jordan, they're not the same group of people who crossed the Red Sea. That whole generation, those generations had died in the wilderness. This is a brand new group. They've heard those stories and now they get to experience it themselves as they cross over the Jordan River. Again, this is all about faith. And faith isn't about what we know. Faith isn't about what we learn. Faith is about taking action. As I look at this story, as we check out Joshua chapter 3, I think there are three next steps that we see here that are so important to all of us. The first one is faith means taking the first step. If you want to walk you got to take that first step. If you want to drive, you got to take that first step. If you want that job, you've got to take that first step. Faith means taking that first step. And I can promise you, that's scary to do. And sometimes it's hard to do and it's tough to do. And I think one of the biggest reasons is we're control freaks. I want to control my life. And if you're normal, you probably want to control yours too. Which means if we're control freaks, we're probably holding on to the past. But, but the deal is we're right here, right? We are right here in this place. But God says, that's where I want you. I, I'm here, but, but that's what God has called me to. We're stuck many times. We're, we're stuck on this side of, of the river. But over there is where those relationships are restored. Over there is where your marriage is mended. Over there is where your finances are fixed over there is where your know, addictions and our patterns of sin that's where they're broken over there's our hopes over there's our, our dreams but to get over there here's the deal we gotta let go we gotta be like that that kid as we're babies we gotta let go of that sofa we gotta let go of that table and we gotta be willing to take that first step it's what faith is all about and the only way that we get over there is by letting go of the past and the only way that we get over there many times is letting go of the present and being willing to say, that's where God is leading me. That's where God wants me. That's where peace reigns. To get there, I've got to take that very first step. So faith means taking the first step. But faith also means understanding God is working upstream. 
If you were here at the end of 2018, Tim Cole, uh, who's the director of Waypoint Church Partners, was here and he actually talked about this part of the Joshua story and I'm not gonna go into a whole lot of detail about this particular point he told a cool story about his wife getting stabbed on a mission trip I can't really beat that I can't one-up that kind of story so and because it's been so recent I can't steal it like a lot of pastors will do like hey let me tell you a story it didn't happen to me but it was great go back and listen to it as the end of 2018 but um but but there's a lot of power in this part of the story about how the water stopped up upstream our first step means that we have to understand that when we take it, that God's been doing something. That God's been working, and maybe God's been working for years, and we just don't know it. Maybe God's been doing something in someone else's life that's going to impact us on the journey that we're on, and we just didn't know it. Faith means taking that first step, but faith also means understanding that God's at work. And it may be hard to see, it may be hard to understand. We, we can't conceive what God is doing because we're not God. And yet I truly believe if we take that first step of faith, hey, we don't have to worry because God has been working upstream, maybe for years, decades, centuries, and we didn't know it, that's gonna impact us on the journey that we find that we are on. This is a conversation my wife Karen and I have all the time about how God works upstream. And we look back when we reach a destination, we're like, oh, I see God. I see God over and over and over again. Faith means taking that first step, but also understanding God is working upstream. And then the third thing, faith means God will fulfill his promises to us. It's hard, I mean, it's easy to, get, to find that we, we get stuck in our journey. And, and again, asking, where is God? What has God been doing? God, are you around? Hello, God, can you hear me? It's easy to get stuck in that place. But we, again, if, if we take that first step and we understand God has been working upstream then in the end God will fulfill those promises to us it may not be what we expected or hoped for or dreamed about but we'll get to that destination because God's right in the middle of it before we came here to uh, be on staff at the journey uh, we planted a church down in Chapel Hill North Carolina and um, I won't tell a whole lot about the story but um, we were actually up here before that. Uh, we or I worked at uh, New Life Christian Church, which is a daughter church of the Journey Church. Become a starting point. We explain that a whole lot more. Um, but uh, but I was a campus pastor for them. Started a brand new campus for them and oversaw their campus out in uh, Haymarket. And so we lived out in, in Haymarket, Gainesville area for uh, about four and a half years. We we went there, understand we were going to go plant a church somewhere. And our plan was to plant a church within the Beltway here, Alexandria or Arlington. Things didn't work out, so we, we started talking to all these other church plan organizations. And, uh, and one of the, the groups that started talking to us was out of North Carolina around the Triangle area. And a pastor down there of a church like, hey, we'd love for you guys to come down here and plant within you know, the Triangle. We didn't really want to move back south, or I didn't want to move back south. I uh, loved being in the Northeast specifically. wanted to stay up here. Nothing was here for us to take in a place that we actually wanted to move to. Uh, and so through a lot of prayer and stuff, we were like, hey, let's check this out and, and let's see what happens. Well, we got promised uh, quite a bit of financial support for this. This is what you need to plan a church. And so this church said, hey, we're going we're gonna to give you guys $50,000 in cash to help fund you. We're going to give you support as, as a leader. You know, we're going to help you out, Chad, personally. We're going to have coaching for you. And then we're going to send people. So as you start this church every week, we're going to have groups of people come and help you and support you. And, and that's what you want. Again, if you're going to plan a church, you need a church that's bigger than, than you are, a lot bigger than you are, to come in and be that support for you. 
So, um, so I quit my job, resigned a new life. I was training the, the new guy who was going to take my position. Uh, we had already given up our house. You know, we're like, hey, we're moving. And uh, so they already had new renters that were getting ready to come in. I mean, got our kids ready to get out of school and get into school down in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So it's about two weeks before we're moving. Like, we got a date, we're moving. It's February 1st, I think, is when we were moving. And uh, two weeks before that, I had to go to boot camp. Now, some of you have been to boot camp, right? You've experienced it. My boot camp was nothing like your boot camp, all right? This was boot camp for church planners. So I was like, hey, you want some donuts? There's some donuts and coffee. Drink it, eat it. Uh, a lot of writing, a lot of listening, just all kinds, of, like Entrepreneurial 101. You're just learning about starting this, this nonprofit and vision and mission and what you're about and discipleship and yourself and all kinds of stuff. We're writing all these notes. It's crazy. Your brain's about to explode. And then um, and on Thursday, I'm sitting down, and it's me, um, two guys from a national church planning organization that were supporting us and this pastor from this particular church. And we're talking about our fundraising. And, and this one guy from the, the national church planning group, he's like, all right, let's, let's go through your funds. So we start to list them out. So he's listing all these things out, or some of these things out, a few of these things out, really. And I was like, hey, Chad, what else you got? And I was like, we got this church and got this person. So, you know, here's kind of where we are. So he looks over at the pastor that's there from this, this network that's supposed to be there for us. And he's like, so you guys are in for $50,000. And he starts to write it down, and it was real quiet. So we all kind of looked up. He's like, uh, we're out. He's like, what? He said, look, we, we just can't, we can't give any money. We can't give any people. We can't give any support. Sorry. We're out. I sat there for a moment across the coffee table from him. And I leapt out of my chair, jumped over the coffee table, tackled him, put him in a headlock. It was like, dude, you're going to give us the money and the people or I'm not letting go. I'm serious. <laughs> I woke up. You know the dream sequences? I woke up. That's what I wanted to do, plus a few other things. But anyway, um, I just stared at him, and I didn't know what to do. I just started laughing. I mean, it was, it was my way of dealing with pain and pressure, I guess. Started laughing. I had to call my wife. Hey, you know, we're, we're moving in a week, 10 days. Oh, by the way, this church that was going to give us this financial support and people, they just pulled out. Should I stay here? Can I come home? Are you all right? <laughs> Thankfully, she was fine with that. Um, we moved 10 days later. We moved that next weekend. It was in 2010. If you were here, remember those three weekends of like 30-inch snows every weekend? We moved right in the middle of one of those 30-inch snows. It was wonderful. And, um, and we still went to North Carolina. We had a big conversation about whether we should do that. You know what we said? We said we need to take the step of faith. I, I don't know what God's going to do. Now, here I am. I, I'm going to be the pastor of this church that just lost $50,000 in people. Um, I got to take care of five people in my family. And so part of this money was going to be salary help and, and marketing and, and finding a place. I mean, all this stuff. And I'm thinking... What are we going to do? Because this was the reason we were going to move here. But yet we still did it. We took that step of faith. And God was working upstream. Not only that, but he fulfilled that promise. And we were able to plant that church. Now, it wasn't easy. But you know what? You learn on the journey. You change. You're transformed on the journey. And my wife and I look back at that time. We're like, I don't ever want to go through that again. But we see God at work all over the place when you think about your life what are those first steps that you've got to take on your journey what's that first step look like in fact here's what I love and what I always take out of this story it's this last little piece here faith means getting your feet wet 
Are you willing to get your feet wet? Am I willing to get my feet wet? Because there are times, like when we plant a church, I'm like, we're not just getting our feet wet, we're going to get our whole body wet. But maybe for you, and maybe for me, we just need to get our feet wet. And if we just stick our feet in the river, God's going to say, hey, I got this. I've been setting this up for you. I'm going to be there for you, and I'm going to fulfill those promises for you. I'm going to fulfill the promises for this church. But what it takes is getting our feet wet. And if we do that, God, I believe, will lead us to that promised land. I love when we come together and we take this communion because it is a reminder that we're living by faith. You and I, we didn't get to physically experience who Christ is and, and was. We, we didn't get to be there. We didn't get to see these miracles. We, we didn't get to hear these teachings. We didn't get to see his death or see him rise again. But, but we live by faith. And we're reminded of that faith as we take communion every single week. A faith that means that you and I, we got to get our feet wet. And if we get our feet wet, God will lead us to that destination. The journey might be hard. It might be tough. There might be a, an enraged river in front of us. But don't worry. God's got it. And God will lead us to where God wants to take us.